Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's See what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome back, Rebecca. Hi, Susan. How are you this evening? Just fine. I hope that your family time was agreeable. I know it's always a sad occasion to go to a funeral, but there's always all the family members that do make it quite interesting. 
Yeah, it was it was very interesting and very very sad, you know. Just uh she's the matriarch of the family, so mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the and John's father and everything. It's just you know, it's a lot. So it's a lot. Everybody it's a lot. And his dad is still is still surviving. Yeah, yeah, he is, and um, you know, he was her primary caregiver. She was at home, so he, it's just a huge change. Wow! Oh, mm-hmm. wow! Mm-hmm. Wow, the terror of freedom—that's a hard one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of codependency that goes on. So, I mean, in many different forms. So, it, yep. it's just—it's—it's it's really interesting to to see and learn from. Yes, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. Tara, the apprentice, and I went out on a beautiful, gorgeous Saturday and harvested dandelion root. We were a little afraid that we weren't going to be able to because, as you recall, the temperature had gotten down to 20 here, so the ground was pretty thoroughly frozen, but it's warmed up again. And we had a very interesting experience. We went up to our CSA, and because I know there's lots of dandelion out there. And I said, well, I think I've seen dandelion around here. Let's see if we can find some. And I said, oh, here's some. No, it wasn't. It was a different plant. Oh, here's some. No, it wasn't. It was a different plant. And then finally we found a couple of little dandelion roots. I mean, like maybe the size of your little finger, little roots. Mm-hmm. And then I said, oh, well, I'm going to go over here and look around this compost pile. Maybe there'll be some bigger ones. And there were some bigger ones there, um, you know, maybe the size of your thumb. And so we, you know, dug a few dandelion roots. And I said, let's go and harvest um some sage and some parsley because, you know, those herbs are pretty frost-hardy. There was thyme and there was sage and there was parsley. Some of the parsley had actually frost-heaved. And um, then while we were doing that, we started noticing dandelion. We said, oh, look, here's some dandelion. Oh, here's some. And we started digging them. Rebecca, by the time we were leaving the farm, all we could see was dandelion. We could hardly get out of there because we would have to stop and dig a root. And the roots were like as big around as my wrist. I mean, they were huge. Wow, that's so and funny. It was so funny. We had, we had when we came home and worked them. We had to laugh at the ones that we first dug up. They were so like, oh, really? <laughs> but we had. Yeah, to, I think I've had this experience actually. <laughs> I, but, you get those I, little. Yeah. Those little ones, I think that you show your respect that way, you know, if you're willing to say, yes, I'll take the littlest. Yes, if this is what you're willing to give me, I will take it and I will be very grateful. That then they say, well, how about this one and how about this one? Mm-hmm. And I told Tara, I said, you know, in a circumstance like in a garden or a place that I think would be undisturbed, I would say, this is the grandmother plant. We're going to leave this grandmother plant. But we're in a farm. Mm-hmm. And there's a tractor right there. The chance that any plant that I leave would be left is pretty small. Mm-hmm. So we honored and acknowledged the diva, the the heart of the dandelion, but we didn't actually leave a grandmother plant. And we made one quart of dandelion root tincture, two quarts of dandelion root tincture, plus a pint of dandelion root tincture, plus a pint of dandelion root vinegar, plus a half pint mm. of dandelion root vinegar, plus one, two, three, four pints of dandelion leaf pesto. Wow. Nice. Wow, huh? Mm-hmm. Not Sounds at, good. And of course, we did all that on Sunday. Mm. And we talked about yeah. how 
how it seems like a whole lot of work. But if you actually, you know, monetize it, you say, well, well, we have, what, 32 and 32 is 64 and 16 is 78. Let's say that we lose eight ounces here because it's homemade and we're not pressing it. We only get 70 ounces of tincture. At $10 an ounce, we just made $700 worth of tincture. True. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. For two days' yeah, work. Just, and we're yeah, not even counting all the parsley we harvested and the sage we harvested, and then we got permission to go, and they had it looked like a mile-long row of collards, didn't it? It probably was only half a mile long. But we got permission to take the belief that was touching the ground from as many of the collard plants as we wanted. And that uh, I only, we only took a, about 80, which nonetheless, mm. I mean, we, there was a single collard leaf that was so big that I told Monica Jean, whose birthday it was, I said, I could make you a dress with this collard leaf. Mm-hmm. It was the biggest collard leaf I've ever, ever seen. Wow. It was just a lot of fun. So sometimes people say, oh, well, you can only study herbs in the summer. I say, no, you know, herbalists, we do it all the time. <laughs> oh, it never ends. I'm like, it never I ends. We're always out there looking for something. And I then, just got yellow dock and some burdock. And, yeah, it's a cold time of year to be digging. I mean, when, you, when you're digging those roots, I came back to the car, and I was just, like, frozen solid, you know. But it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Warm, but were we ever covered with sticky mud? Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> the kind of mud that oozes up around the soles of your shoes. So even if you get the bottoms up and clean, there's still ook on the sides. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so yep, much fun! Really, really enjoying it all. Okay, everybody, get your calendars. Okay, we're going to give you a moment to go get your calendars. There's some calendar information. You're going to need your calendars to go get your calendar. And meanwhile, I'm going to tell you that at 9 o'clock, my time tonight, Catherine Ravenwood is going to be with us. I'm so excited that Catherine is going to be our guest tonight. Her tarot readings are alchemical transformations. She does spiritual hypnosis. She works with sound frequencies to explore past lives and the afterlife, and she's the author of How to Create Sacred Water, A Guide to Rituals and Practices, and a contributing writer to Invoking the Scribes of Ancient Egypt, The Initiatory Path of Spiritual Journeying and Stepping into Ourselves, an Anthology of Writing on Priestesses. So come back at 9 or stay with us until 9 and you will get to hear from Catherine Ravenwood. Okay, have your calendar. Good. Today is the last Tuesday in November. Next Tuesday, the first Tuesday in December, I am not able to do this show because I am going to be at that time, the entire time, on an airplane. That airplane will be carrying me to Tucson. Those of you who know me, have been listening to me for a while, know that my wonderful dear friend, I call her my oldest friend, she kind of doesn't like that, she says she's not that old, but we've known each other since we were teenagers, my oldest friend, Betsy, who lives in Tucson, and she's also the editor of my books, yay, Betsy, I go and spend a week with her every year, because she loves to be hot, and I hate to be hot, and I love to be cold, and she hates to be cold. So I do a winter visit to her Tucson abode. So I will miss that first Tuesday. I will do the second Tuesday. I'll do a blog talk show, but I'll be in Tucson, so I'll be doing it from Tucson. 
so that's what the third and then the tenth and then I'll be home and do the seventeenth. And then we have a string of holidays. We have Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. And Rebecca and I have decided to take a break for both of those and and you can and do whatever you want to do on those evenings, but we won't be here. And then the next Tuesday after that, I will be in Costa Rica. I'm actually leaving for Costa Rica right after Christmas. And Justine and I are going to do our next video course in Costa Rica. We're going to be talking about all the wonderful tropical plants like coconut and uh, roselle and, oh, just a ton of fun things. We're going to go up to the cloud forest and visit the hummingbirds and go and check out what's going on with the people who are growing uh, passiflora and organic vanilla. It's going to be a great time. So... um, I will not be doing the blog talk show while I'm in Costa Rica. So we won't have a show on the 24th. We won't have a show on the 31st. And we won't have a show on, what is that? I guess that's January 7th or 6th. Mm -hmm. We won't have a show then. So that's three in a row that we won't have. And then I'll come back from Costa Rica and go and spend the weekend with Patch Adams and present him with a copy of the new book. I'm so excited. And then I'll be back home, and I will do the shows every Tuesday from then until whenever something else happens. Got your calendar all marked up? Good. Mm -hmm. We will do our best to remind you of what's going on. And so we're reminding you right now, no show next week, but there will be a show the week after. Sounds good. And I was just going to, with Catherine Ravenwood, our guest, I'm on her email list. And if you get on there, the listeners, if they get on there, um, she always does like a a tarot, like a weekly tarot card that she pulls. It's like kind of like of the the moment and she writes a whole thing on it. And it's always very interesting. So I've been linked in with that for a while and I'm happy to hear her conversation tonight. And I also saw um, you're going to Cosm. I think I saw today for uh, is that in May, Susan? Yes, I'm going to be doing um, a wonderful day long event at Cosm, getting in touch with the intelligence of nature. Something titled something like that. Yeah, that's cool. I've, I mean, I've only seen that place online. Does it is it pretty is it pretty cool there? It is amazing. First of all, I yeah. personally love Alex Gray's work. Yeah, and, he has amazing. And you know, when when he moved, when he became a neighbor of mine, I was just like, oh, I can't believe it! Alex Gray mm-hmm. living down the road from me. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And of course, because I know Isaac Abrams, and he's also a psychedelic artist, and he knows Alex. So I had the in right and was actually able to meet Alex and his wonderful wife, and we got along, you know, wonderfully. And then it was after that sometime after that, that they bought the property where they're doing the Church of Sacred Mirrors, C-O-S-M, Church of Sacred Mirrors. Now, the property that they bought is a gorgeous property and has several buildings on it, and there's like a big, 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 big house on it. And that big, big, big house has been turned into an art museum. And the incredible psychedelic spiritual art is hung on every single wall, and you could just go in there and lose yourself. But that's not even... The Church of the Sacred Mirrors. The Church of the Sacred Mirrors is being built. Okay, so is that on the same property? Yes. 
So this Church of the Sacred Mirrors is still under construction. When will that be done? Do you know? I don't think anybody knows. Okay. Yeah. I remember seeing the plans for it online, and I was like, wow. (laughs) The whole center is Church of Sacred Mirrors, but the actual church is, is... you know, just so much is going into it, the stained glass and the floors and that, you know, it's not just like a building where, where art is going to be hung. It's like the whole building is this resonating, vibrating, you know, gorgeous thing. Mm, I have to see it. I have to see yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> so come and join me. My days mm-hmm. at, I, it'll be the third time I've taught there. And um, we always end by going out and picking a wild salad. They do have a lovely garden there, so we, we do get to go in the garden and pick a few things from the garden, including their weeds. They had a lot of purslane last time I was there. And uh, then they serve us a lovely light dinner with our salad. And the last time we were there, um, they brought out, you know, an ordinary salad bowl. And I looked and I said, no, 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 no. This is, we, we, you know, we make big salads. Bring out your biggest salad bowl. They brought this huge salad bowl. We just about filled it. And mm. at the end of the time, the people came out from the kitchen and they said, we, we came out there to tell you that we have never in our lives seen a group eat that much salad. <laughs> really? That's surprising. They, they figured it seems like that would be like a split heavy. was going to be left over. <laughs> I, there's not even a single flower blossom at the bottom here, right? <laughs> yeah, but it seems like, you know, like at that place, like everybody would love salads and be in the, the salad scene. <laughs> but uh, Oh, Rebecca, we forget how boring most people's salads are because we're so used to putting wild things in our salads. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And people respond to the chi in those wild things. And they, you know, they mm-hmm. may take first, but then they come back and take a huge handful because their body's going more of that, more of that. Yeah, yeah, more of that, right? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I have to get some more wild greens in me this weekend. All mm-hmm. right. <laughs> Lots of chickweed around right now, too. Yay, chickweed weather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I will remind the callers to press 1 to ask your question to Susan. And we just have a few callers with their hands raised right now. And are you ready for the first caller, Susan? Almost. So one of the reasons we were out of the CSA was that they offer an add-on share, which is called the Thanksgiving share. And it's 15 vegetables for Thanksgiving. Not that they expect you to to eat them all, but, you know, squash and sweet potatoes and onions and just lovely. But I was talking to Monica Jean about it, and I said, can you guess what 15 vegetables they gave us? And she's looking at me, and she's thinking, and finally she says, broccoli. I said, very close, cauliflower. And how about something in that family that has leaves? She said, oh, they must have given you kale. I said, yeah, and kale's big, flat sister collards. And they also gave us turnips and cabbage and Napa cabbage and radishes. That means that half of the 15 vegetables were in the cabbage family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tis, tis the season. They love it cold. They grow just fine. They had planted a really nice patch of spinach for our Thanksgiving share, but that 20, 20 degrees really, <laughs> it's spinach puree out there on the ground, you know? 
Yeah, actually, my yeah, we didn't my get solid. any lettuce or any spinach. Those were really like just slammed by that hard, hard frost. But the the brassicaceae are like lay it on. Oh, and Brussels sprouts. We got Brussels sprouts too, right? <laughs> yeah, I got some of those today, and then um, yeah, lots of mustard greens in my salad. Like I have some topsoy and just like lots of little like mazuma and um, other little smaller mustard greens. Yay, the mustard yeah. greens. Yeah, they're nice and spicy, like that kind of spice. Okay, now that we've ta- talked about brassicaceae, and I talk about right. that because people say, well, I don't know how to eat in season, so this should help you to eat in season. Eat in season, if it's from the cabbage family, you're eating in season. You're good. All right. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, the first caller is coming from the 845 area code. Hi, this is Tatiana. Is that me? Hi, Tatiana, that's you. <laughs> I'm so lucky. Good evening, Susan. Good evening, Rebecca. Evening to you, too. Well, uh, uh, shortly my journey was uh, that I had to add um, to five milligrams of high blood pressure medication, another five milligrams, and now... I'm taking that twice a day, and I'm taking a baby aspirin. And, of course, I don't want to take any of those, but I was threatened that my heart can let go any time, considering that uh, my arteries are clogged and the whole deadly story that uh, I will die if I'm not at least lowering my blood pressure. And it went down to 130 and 140, and I move a little bit. But basically, I had to stop taking the tinctures because I wanted to know exactly what the the pills are doing to me. And I did find out that one was totally disagreeable, and it made me cough. So I stopped taking that, and I took the other pill uh, for um, low blood pressure, uh, the amlodipine, I'm taking two, two of those of five milligram. And, and so let me ask you this: Did you stop eating? On the contrary, I'm eating like a maniac. It's as if I'm going to die. So it makes no sense to me to stop taking herbs if you're not going to stop eating. Stop eating? Yeah, you just said you stopped taking the herbs. You could tell what the drugs were doing, but herbs are food. Um, so it makes no sense to stop taking herbs unless you're going to stop eating. Uh, and to eat, you might as well take herbs, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but for me, liquid is not food. Uh, it, it, not that it isn't. I mean, emotionally. I need to eat something solid, you know, even when I hear the doctor or Not suggesting that you not eat. I'm saying that it's absurd to stop taking your herbs. Really? Let me be clear. It is absolutely absurd to stop taking your herbs. It is putting you back. Why would you stop taking your herbs? I think I'm taking too many things that I'm not familiar with. And And stop eating and take your herbs. It makes no sense. How many herbs are you taking? What are you taking? Uh, Well, I was taking mother wort. And hawthorn, as you told me, twice a day each. And uh, 
Now I take it only once here, once there, because I have to take three times a day, you know, one pill. And the baby aspirin, I went to ask. Because of the pills, you're going to stop taking the herbs, which make you strong and will get you off the pills eventually? Makes no sense to me what you're doing. Uh, well, I tried to figure out which one is doing what, and I did figure Telling it. you that since you've been taking the herbs, okay. to continue to take them would not prevent you from figuring out what the drugs are doing any more than eating prevents you from figuring out what the drugs are doing. There are tons of books that say that the drugs uh, um, interact with and then, then goodbye. Goodbye. If what? you want to go buy books, goodbye. That's fine. Oh, I'm not buying books. them. They, That's people, absolutely fine. My 50 years experience is nothing. Oh, it's like nothing I'm, at all. My 50 oh. years of experience is trash. You're going to go buy a book. So be it. No problem. No, I'm not buying any books. Well, then don't counter what I am saying by telling me that books say differently. I know the books say differently. And the doctors say differently. The doctors say differently, too. And I don't want to be... But I am telling you that those herbs you are taking are not drugs. They are not drugs. They're food. There are herbs that are drug-like, but these aren't. Motherwort is not, and Hawthorne is not, drug-like in its action. Any more than a potato or a leaf of kale is. All right. Hawthorne is in the apple family. Taking Hawthorne is like eating applesauce. No difference. If you're going to eat applesauce, you can take Hawthorne. But I love to eat the apple instead of drinking a tincture. <laughs> you're drinking the tincture? How much tincture are you taking? Well, you told me a drop full. A dropper full is not a drink. Well, I put it in water. I don't. I don't take it. Okay. Like well, I would Let's rather that you put water. it in nourishing herbal infusion. Are you drinking your nourishing herbal infusions? <laughs> Tincture is enough for me. I can't take infusions. I drink tea. Uh, you know, green tea or rose tea or thing like that. One in the morning, but that's not for. And that's why we have drugs for people who won't make the effort to take care of themselves. I understand. It's, it makes it takes another ten minutes out of your day to make infusion. It really does. It takes a whole ten minutes to make infusion, which gives you all the vitamins and all the minerals you need to make you healthy, so that you can stop taking drugs. But that's too hard. Just take those drugs. It's fine. No, but I thought the tincture has that. Tincture doesn't have. Oh, yeah, but you're not taking the tinctures. Well, I I I called today in order to see how I can combine the tinctures with all the three medications. I never took in my life any kind of medication. I didn't take a vitamin. So for me, this is like I'm speaking a new language. I don't know how to swallow so many new things together. Do I need a space between them? Can I take something herbal instead of baby aspirin? That annoys me too. Everything has side effects in the medical world. I, I, I'm, I'm very... Uh, I am rather shocked that your doctor has suggested that you take baby aspirin. Your doctor does not read the medical news and is 15 years behind in what they're doing. The current consensus is that aspirin causes more problems than it cures. 
And you have to understand that doctors are afraid. That doctor is terrified that you will have a heart attack and sue the doctor. So what can I take instead of baby aspirin to clean my uh, arteries? That Excuse me, baby aspirin is not cleaning your arteries. What the hell does it do? <laughs> what does aspirin do? Don't you know what aspirin does? No, I, do. I never took aspirin in my life. Then why are you taking it if you don't know what it does? I told me that I'm, I'm going to have a, a, a heart attack. Is there a package insert? Doesn't it say in this, on, the, on the bottle what aspirin does? Ask the pharmacist for the, for the drug information. Do not take anything that you don't know what it is and what it does. Aspirin is an anti-inflammatory. It cuts down an inflammation in the blood vessels. And so we hope that by cutting down on inflammation that it might reduce the risk of stroke and heart attack. That has not turned out to be true, and the number of people dying from internal bleeding from the aspirin far exceeds the number of people we might have saved from heart attack and stroke. Oh, my goodness. Even a baby aspirin that's for babies? Babies don't take an aspirin every day. Oh, of course not, yes. I, that's why I, I can't stand Aspirin it. interferes with certain enzymatic functions in your body causing internal bleeding, which you can't feel until you just pass out or die. I'm not going to take it anymore. Is there something else I can take besides or uh, mother, war, uh, mother Wart and Hawthorne is enough right now? Here's what I would like. Okay. I would like you to take that 10 minutes every evening and make yourself a quart of nourishing herbal infusion. It's really not that difficult. Nourishing herbal infusions build the stamina and the health that your body needs in order to have low blood pressure. Right now, your body cannot have low blood pressure because it is in fear. Yes, absolutely. I'm terrified. Absolutely totally in fear. The nourishing herbal infusions bring into your body optimum nutrition, which allows every cell in your body to operate in a very different way, making the other herb tinctures that you take far more effective, making your food nourish you more, and cutting down on all the side effects of the drugs. Oh, God bless you. Nourishing herbal infusion is the most important thing that you can do. There are five nourishing herbal infusions. Each one has special effects, and we rotate through them. You might want to start with linden. Okay. Linden flower is a wonderful remedy, and it is a much better anti-inflammatory than aspirin with none of its downside. Oh, great. So if you drink a quart of linden infusion once a week, and that's what I usually make is a quart at a time, and you can drink it over a day or two, you're going to be doing a lot better for yourself than by taking aspirin. Okay. Linden has a green part to the flower. It looks kind of like a leaf, and that's loaded with polyphenols that, like the polyphenols in green tea, are very heart-active and help to prevent heart attack. I do have green tea. Are you saying to make an intuition? I am saying that linden is better than green tea. Okay, okay. That's what I'm saying. You can go ahead and drink your green tea, but linden is better. 
much better for you. And then it contains what green tea contains, plus a whole host of other things, is what I'm saying. So I make it like a tea. Raw is one of the nourishing herbal infusions. Yeah. And if you go to the supermarket and buy a box of oatmeal, what's on it? Is there a picture on it? Yes, there's a little red heart on it, isn't there? Probably. I I didn't notice. But there I is. Know. There's a little red heart on your box of oatmeal because the uh, American Heart Association says that that uh, oats and oatmeal and, of course, oat straw reduce your risk of heart attack and help lower blood pressure. Oh, so instead of my morning eggs, I should eat oatmeal? That would be a very good choice. Oh. What I am suggesting is that you use oat straw infusion. I'm talking about the five nourishing herbal infusions that I would like you to make one after the other. So you make some linden, weighing out one ounce of linden, putting it in a quart jar, filling the jar to the top with boiling water, putting a lid on it, and let it steep overnight. That's all you do. The next morning you strain it or stick it in the refrigerator and drink it over a day or two. Then you make a quart of oat straw infusion by measuring out one ounce of oat straw, putting it in a quart jar, filling it to the top of the boiling water, putting a tight lid on it, letting it sit out for four hours or overnight, whatever works for you, and then straining it or just sticking it in the refrigerator. Once it's strained, it goes in the refrigerator too and drinking it over a day or two. They do need to be refrigerated. I have to drink them separately like after I finish one, I start the other you cannot you cannot mix them together. You're going to be having linden until you've drunk the linden, and then oat straw until you've drunk up the oat straw. Okay. Then stinging nettle. Oh. Stinging nettle is earth energy. It rebuilds the adrenals. It cuts down on stress reaction, and because it is so active in the kidneys, it lowers blood pressure. Is it, I do have nettle tincture. Is, is that something else? No, totally something else. Oh. Oh, stinking net, nettle is different from the nettle without stinging. Ne- there is very little in nettle that comes out in a tincture. Oh. Tinctures are for poisons, and there's no poison in nettle. We make a tincture so that we can take a small amount of a slightly poisonous plant. Uh So we don't make a tincture of nettle because there's nothing that we would get in the tincture. Vitamins don't go in tinctures. Minerals don't go into tinctures. The good of the nettle is never going to go into a tincture. Where do I buy that? Dried nettle leaf. Stinking nettle, whatever I need to make the infusions with. In dried nettle leaf is what you need. There are a great many purveyors of dried herbs in the United States, Mountain Rose, Frontier, Pacific Botanicals, Star West Botanicals. If you go to the homepage of my website, there are a few click-throughs to people who do sell herbs. I certainly don't. Thank you. So we've talked about linden. We've talked about oat straw. We've talked about nettle. Yes. Comfrey leaf makes a wonderful infusion that increases the flexibility and the strength of your blood vessels. The truth of the matter is that plaque is pretty harmless unless your blood vessels get brittle and then the plaque cracks off and causes a stroke or a heart attack. The plaque that's there is never going to hurt you. 
circumference for strength of arteries. The strength and flexibility so that the plaque that you have does not flake off. Okay. Okay. And red clover. Red clover. Red clover is a member of the P and bean family, and like all members of the P and B family, it contains hormonal precursors, and your body can make whatever hormones it needs from those precursors. Wow. Wow, huh? <laughs> I feel semi-healed just listening to you. You see why I am pushing you to drink these nourishing herbal infusions. Uh-huh. Okay. They make a big difference. Now, if you want to add a sixth one, there is a sixth one that you could add, and that is hibiscus. Also known as roselle, it makes a very tart, very sour infusion. We usually cut it back about half by with water because it's like, whoa. And let's see if I can remember. We just read this this morning. Drinking a cup of hibiscus tea twice a day for three months lowered blood pressure better than blood pressure drugs. Wow. But I can't drink the the rest of those. Then I'll drink only hibiscus, right? You can make yourself some hibiscus and have a cup or two of hibiscus every day along with the other infusions because the hibiscus will stay good in the refrigerator. The others won't. The others will spoil within 48 hours, which is why you have to drink them up. I feel like a camel force-feeding myself for so much <laughs> Well, wait, 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 wait. We're talking about we're talking about drinking some infusion. What else are you drinking besides infusion? Um, I usually drink the the tea I make in the morning. I like rose rose tea very much. And uh, rose rose hip tea? No, not rose hip. Just rose petals. Rose petal tea. Okay, so you drink rose petal tea in the morning. Uh huh. I love that. And and then I drink it through, throughout the day. I usually don't finish a whole cup in the morning. So I drink it, as you said, that the the teas are healthier than the water, but I drink right. a little water also here. Okay. So what I'm saying is drink your rose tea in the morning. That's a lovely way to start the day. And thereafter, drink infusion. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. I I, I, you know, most humans need about a quart of fluid a day, and I suggest a quart of infusion a day. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, want to do two cups of infusion and a cup of hibiscus and a cup of your rose tea, that makes your four cups. Doesn't sound like too much to me. <laughs> you probably grew up with that for me, it sounds like. I didn't grow up with it at all. I created it. It wasn't something that was given to me. No? No, of course not. My mom knows nothing about herbs. Oh, that's so interesting. I love the way you write. It has a lot of feeling. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so nourishing herbal infusions. Mm -hmm. Food. And many people have found that if they're rushed or pressed for time and don't have time to make themselves a meal, a glass of nourishing herbal infusion Stands in as a meal. I'm not suggesting you do that all the time, but it will work. Have you have you found that to be true, Tara? Yes. When I'm out with the goats and I don't eat lunch, the infusion usually holds me over until dinner. Right? Yes. Yeah. I didn't Again, hear I'm not. 
I'm not saying, oh, you know, drink infusion instead of eating. No, if you have time to eat, certainly eat. But all of us get into situations where we get up late, we miss breakfast, or we're doing something, we miss lunch, whatever's happening. The infusion is so nourishing. This is why I call them nourishing herbal infusions, that they will tide you over. So get that going. Get those nourishing herbal infusions going. Continue to take. I need to lose some weight. Maybe that's Continue to take motherwort tincture and hawthorn tincture since they seem to be working well with you. And again, it is no more problematic to take either one of those at the same time as a drug than it would be to eat a tablespoon of applesauce when you took a drug. All right. Well, I hope very much that at some point when... Uh, I am already 130 blood pressure. When it will drop, I'll stop taking the pills, and I'll take only the tinctures and the teas. That only works if you've been taking the tinctures and the teas all along. Then you can drop the drugs. But if you drop the drugs and then start taking the tinctures and the teas, there's a lag time, and your blood pressure will shoot up. No, no, I don't. I won't. First so you I... need to, to be working with the infusions yeah. and the tinctures now while you're taking the drugs. Yeah. What most people do is they back off on certain things, like you thinking of backing off the aspirin. That sounds reasonable to me, mm-hmm. especially because it's really not considered very useful anymore. Um, and you're taking how many blood pressure-lowering drugs? Uh, two or five milligrams. That's the minimum. Two, two is, are they diuretics, yeah. ACE inhibitors? Do you know? Pardon? What manner of blood pressure-lowering drugs are they? Are they ACE inhibitors? Are they diuretics? Are they beta blockers? Uh, My ex, who is a doctor, his cardiologist is taking it. It's called amlodipine. I'm not asking you what drug you're taking. I'm asking you what class of drug it is. Do you know what you are taking? I have no idea what... Tatiana, you must find out. If I read I'm what is that told you those I'm not drugs. taking a thing. I'm telling you, I, the, the, the drugs that they gave me when I got the shingles, I threw them all out. I was reading horror stories. <laughs> I, I can't read. I, I personally think it's very important if yes. there's a time in our lives when we're going to take drugs, when we need to take drugs, that we read the package information so that we know exactly what drug we're taking and exactly what the effects could be. I think it's important that you know if you're on an ACE, you know, if you're on a beta blocker or an ACE inhibitor or a diuretic. Those are very different drugs, and they all lower blood pressure. Uh, I think the the thing that I reminisce is that it melts the calcium deposits in the arteries, and then I said, well, it's melting my bones. I didn't like that, but anyway, that's what I remember. There's no drug that melts calcium deposits. I'm sorry. Well, that's what it was written under amlodipine. That that's the major healing effect of it is that. Uh, is, this is from the pharmacist. Melts calcium deposits. Uh, you you know that the pharmacist gives you. Uh, a little uh, concentrated Bible to read about the medication. So it comes together in the same package. And I'm and I'm asking you if that actually says it melts calcium deposits. 
something like that. But I, you know, I I can find it. I probably threw it away. I don't want to read it because I I'll stop taking the medication. I'm I'm too suggestible. But I can find out, and I'll tell you when you come back from Costa Rica. I am not suggesting that you have to read all the side effects. I'm saying you need to know what class of drug it is. I understand. Well, I I trust my husband is a, is, is a big name in psychopharmacology. So it, it doesn't have any side effects for me. Are you taking a statin? No. It doesn't have any side effects that that other blood uh, um, pressure medication has. Wonderful. Are you taking a statin? No, I'm not taking that. All right. Just blood pressure. Good. Yeah. We have talked quite a long time. Yes, thank and you. And I've done that. Much. Becca said there wasn't very many people, but we should say green blessings and good night. And if we have more, carry it on in future weeks, okay? Very much. Becca. Okay, Titania, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. To you. And have a good trip and uh, kiss Costa Rica for me. Oh, I'll be sp- I'll be speaking to people before I go to Costa Rica. I'm off to Tucson. Thank you. All righty, bye bye. Green blessings. Thanks. The next caller is coming from a private number. Hello, Hello. private. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hello, Susan. How are you? Enjoying this beautiful weather. How about you? Yes, likewise. So, Susan, I have a question. Um, I've had, like, knee pain for about, for, like, three to four months, and I I had gone for an ultrasound and nothing came, and then the doctor, because it was continuous knee pain in the right knee, um, I was sent for an MRI, and they found, well... You were the sent re- for? What a compliant person you are. You didn't agree? I agreed, yeah. So they diagnosed Oh, you sent for sounds like you have no volition at all, that you're the victim of this. No, I wasn't a victim. I guess I was a participant, and the you, doctor... You were a participant? Whose body was it? <laughs> Mine. Well, I don't think we have to guess that you were a participant then, do we? Really? Guess? <laughs> You're okay. right. I What's am really, really intent on this because people start their healing journey by turning themselves into a victim, which you just did. Yeah, that's that's And then it's almost impossible to go anywhere. Wow, you've just, you've just pinned it. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling right now because... Uh, when they sent the report, it says I have, like, um, you know, cartilage, partial th- thickness loss or defect, and then there's some bone marrow edema and some cartilage fissuring. So I guess well, these are... What did you think going to happen if you went for an MRI? Do you think they yeah. were going to say there's nothing wrong with you? Well, I kind of didn't think that it would be like um, at this, you know, level because I'm only 41, so I thought, well, OA and stuff starts maybe later. Mm -hmm. So tell me about the nourishing herbal infusions that you drink. 
So I rotate them. I drink all of them, all five of them. Plus I also do chickweed, and I also do chicory, and I also do burdock. Okay. Um, you rebrew the um, comfrey leaf. Pardon me? Do you know about rebrewing the comfrey leaf? No. Comfrey and linden contain mm-hmm. a healing substance called mucilage. Mm-hmm. As a kid, mucilage was glue, but to an herbalist, mucilage is the opposite of glue. It is an anti-inflammatory, and it soothes things. Mm-hmm. And this mucilage that's in linden and comfrey is more dissolvable in mm-hmm. water than in hot. So we make the regular infusion brew the way we do with everything. And then mm-hmm. when we strain the comfrey or the linden, we mm-hmm. squeeze it. We just leave the water in with the herb. And mm-hmm. we put that into a pan mm-hmm. and add cold water. If you made a quart of infusion, mm-hmm then you are going to use two cups of cold water. Okay. If you made half gallon, then you use a quart. You can use half the amount of cold water that you used hot. So you put that amount of cold water over it in the pan, bring it up to a boil, turn the fire off, and let it steep for four to six hours. Strain it out, and you will be quite amazed at how slippery, slimy, and even gloppy it is. Mm-hmm. And you will, I think, feel more of the activity in your joints by making the mm-hmm. rebrew of the comfrey and the linden. Okay. So Since you're drinking those, let's bump it up to get more of what's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the exercises that are the very, very best for helping people who are dealing with joint pain and joint breakdown are Tai Chi and Qigong. Yeah. If there isn't a class in your area, um, Mm -hmm. there are lots of video programs. Memorial Mm -hmm. Sloan Kettering has a free Tai Chi video program that you can download. Mm -hmm. Because they find Tai Chi so incredibly helpful and effective for people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That's, those are some things that you can do to interfere mm-hmm. with what you're allowing your brain to do right now, which is nonstop, day and night, your brain is saying the things you just told me. Yeah. Right? Ever since I heard of this, um, whatever. Ever since you heard it, your brain has been repeating those things to you, yes? Absolutely. Well, guess what? Your body is going to be that because you're repeating that because your body wants to do what your brain tells it to do. But I don't want that. That's why I I thought of breaking. Stop believing those things. And the way to stop believing those things is to do something else. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay, so comfrey and linden, 
as soon as I got the diagnosis, I, I made comfrey that very evening Yay! for the next. Yeah. <laughs> I drink it anyways in the five rotations, but then I did comfrey and then I did linden. You know what? So what? I'll do this. Stop this, calling it a diagnosis. Um, you know, this, it's not a diagnosis. We don't have to call it a diagnosis. Bed. As yeah. soon I as have. you got their report. How about that? That sounds better. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Because it's only Whatever it's not a diagnosis. Report. Their report. Their report. Their report. It's their opinion. So is they, there the anything else? The machine else? did the MRI, but a human being looks at it. Yes, thank you. It's the opinion of a human being. It's not the machine telling you this is what's going on. Yeah. And many people make that mistake, don't they? They say, oh, well, it's an MRI. It must be right. Huh? It's a human being. Yes. And a yes. different human being reading that MRI might come up with a very different report. Mm-hmm. So um, just in terms of the fact that the doctor said that if it doesn't improve, he wanted to give a steroid injection to this. Um, avoid, avoid, I- avoid. Avoid. Okay, yeah, that's what I did. So um, is there anything else diet-wise? Um, I mean, Comfrey and Linden I'll do religiously. Um, is there anything else I could possibly do to help, you well, know? I have an entire course of car- called Happy Knees, right? Okay. Right, it's a, it's a video course at um, wisewomenschool.com. Mm-hmm. And it goes into the foods and the herbs and all of the many, many things that you can do. Here we go. I got a galley copy. And let's see, where would that be? Antihistamines, no anti inflammatories. Here we go. Injected steroids cause loss of skin pigment and skin at injection site, high blood sugar, bone loss, immune suppression, glaucoma, um, damages the skin and underlying tissues, the cortisone will clump and crystallize in the joint, increasing pain, tiny amounts of injected cortisone enter the bloodstream and have systemic hormone-like effects. Steroid, mm-hmm. I would not do it. Steroid shots double the rate of cartilage loss compared to placebo shots. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That is just, you see, they never tell you this, but instinctively, because I'm your student, I follow you. I would never even consider that. That's why I just said, no, no, I, I, I'm, so, okay, so, okay, I was just looking for some, some, something else. You're asking me about diet, and of course, since you follow me, you know that what I believe is the best diet is a broad diet that includes Gifts from the animals. What's mm-hmm. your yogurt consumption look like? Um, I I have about a, a cup a day, so I think a, excellent, yeah, like, excellent, excellent. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so because at this we're point, up in, I don't think that there's really any dietary thing. Um, let's talk just briefly about what the knees might symbolize. So from what I've read, it, it symbolizes moving forward in life, right? There's not a right and wrong answer. It's for you, about you. It's not about a book. 
Yeah, no. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, it's about what, moving forward in life. What do these symbolize for you? What are you? What do, are your needs about moving forward? Well, I think my needs um, symbolize sort of my independence. To me, uh-huh. right? Because kneeling around the world is subjugation, isn't it? Yeah, and also when my knees are happy, then I feel independent. I don't need to lean on anything. So for me, it's it's standing, you know, in my own truth. That's what my yeah. knees symbolize. I think yeah. that that when we've covered, you know, all the physical bases, which I think we've mm-hmm. done very well, um, then mm-hmm. I think it's really worthwhile to say what's going on here symbolically and is there something that my body is asking of me that I could give it? Um, so these things tend to be somewhat paradoxical. And when your knees are feeling good, you feel independent and you feel like you can do whatever it is you need to do. And that's certainly something that we all want to feel. Mm-hmm. And when your knees hurt, you feel not dependent and like you have to lean on something or somebody. Yeah, or like shaky, you know, because sometimes it just wants to give. Now, the the doctor diagnosed it with bursitis. No, hang on, hang on. We're not going to the doctor yet. What we want to do is to have gratitude for that. For what the knee is telling me. No, we want to have gratitude for your shakiness. We want to have gratitude for your inability to stand on your own. We want to have gratitude for that part of you that says you need to lean. Yeah. One of the things that happens to many of us as we grow up is that we tend to equate good things with independence. Mm Mm-hmm. And what that does is to shut down the real wellsprings of human contact. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when we are looking at old, old, old bones before Homo sapiens, Mm -hmm. when we see the bones or the teeth of someone who obviously had a severe broken bone or couldn't chew their own food, then then we say, oh, look, they took care of each other. Mm-hmm. And that's very meaningful to us. That makes those people more human because they care for each other in a way that is different than the way animals care for each other. I'm not saying animals don't care for each other. Obviously, animals do care for each other. But there's a certain thing about the way that humans care for each other and that we're willing to care for somebody who's no longer really able to contribute. Mm -hmm. That really is one of the defining aspects of being human. Mm -hmm. So let's take a moment to be grateful for the part of you that needs to lean. Yes. Let's be grateful for the part of you that is shaky because these are very precious and important parts. And we certainly don't want them to feel that we're trying to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
In fact, what I like to do is to say, how could I really honor this part of me? What can I do that would really make this part of me feel loved and important and accepted? Mm-hmm. Because it's very, very easy when there's a problem to start smashing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to have a certain view of how we have to be and to smash the part of us that isn't agreeing with that. Mm-hmm. And what we usually wind up with when we do that is a chronic condition. The doctor is already assuming that that's what you're going to do and is already thinking about a knee replacement. Uh, no, he didn't say that. He said you're too young for <laughs> I understand, but that oh, but if he said you're too young for it, then he's thinking about it, isn't he? Yeah, I guess so. Subliminally, though, yes. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound so subliminal to me. If he said you're too young for a knee replacement, obviously he had to think about it to say that. Yeah, he said that it's a pre, it's a pest anisarbursitis, all because the pain is not in the knee. He mm. touched all around it, and it's just below, like two inches below where the hamstrings come together. <laughs> That's where it is, where the locking or the giving away is taking place. So, and so. the report. When I am in that situation, what I look for in my community is people who do hands-on work, whether it's a physical therapist, whether it's a massage therapist, whether it's somebody who does um, energy healing. I look in my community for somebody who will do hands-on work with me. Okay. Um, Okay. Like an osteopath, you mean to move energy or a massage therapist? I can't say exactly what profession they will be in because what you want to find is somebody who's a healer. Yeah, it's been. It, it, I've I've tried to do it. It's just um, it can I be went. Daunt- it can be daunting, but it's okay. Yeah. It's really mm-hmm. okay to make a first visit with someone and say, "I'm here to check you out. I'm not here to be your patient." I've been to three now, Susan. None have. Well, you know, when when my daughter Justine was dealing with Lyme disease, which was you know, many, many, many years ago, and so nobody was diagnosing it, she went to over 15 practitioners until she found one who was an actual healer. Yeah, yeah. It does. It takes. Some, it really takes a while. I'm not in any way downplaying how difficult it can be mm-hmm. to actually mm-hmm. find this person and get in a relationship with them. But once you have found them, you have that person in your life forever. Yeah. Money dies, you know. <laughs> so it yeah, is definitely. it is worthwhile. And also ask around. It's okay to ask around. Yeah, I do. I ask all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I do. That's sure one of do. the things. Sure you do. I, 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 so, okay, so. So mm-hmm. uh, the last thing that I would say this evening about this is that usually when you have started your healing journey by becoming a victim of a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And it's important to stand up and say, I'm not a victim. I'm the one who chose to do this. And I don't ever have to choose to do it again. And that's not a machine diagnosis. That's a human being who read the results of that. And if you've ever seen an MRI, let me tell you, it's not easy to tell what's going on. 
No, I've never seen one. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very difficult. It takes a lot of training to be able to say what's going on in there. Um, and if you move, then they can't even really get a good reading on it. And it's very easy to move when they're doing the MRI. So we need something to replace these horrible words that are going around in your brain. Yeah. So could we... Um... One of my favorites is every day in every way, I'm experiencing less and less pain. Every day and in every way. I'm experiencing less every day. And in every way, I'm experiencing less and less pain every day. And in every way, my body is becoming stronger and healthier. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so when your I, brain starts going, as that's stuff from the MRI, you're just going to pop up one of these statements. People who need a lot of help will write them out and put them on their mirror or their steering wheel where they can see them. Yeah, I can do, I can do them. I, these are affirmations. I can do them many Good. times over the course of the day. May I just quickly ask you one thing? You've rec- uh, suggested Tai Chi. May I ask you how, how many times a week, like hour-wise? Like a couple of hours a week? Most Tai Chi forms are 10 to 15 minutes long. Okay. A class might be as much as an hour because they might be talking about other things, but the Tai Chi itself can't take that long. No, the the class, I mean. So a couple of hours a week is okay, two to three hours a week? I don't know. I don't know what you have available or what's going to work for you. I really don't. Well, I was just asking. An hour of Tai Chi once a week for six weeks confers benefits that can be quantified. Yeah, so the the classes around here go by hourly basis. That's why I was wondering if you could just so If you want to go to an hour's class, that's fine, and then figure out for yourself how much more you need, or if you do. And I do an hour and a half of yoga once a week, and I have been doing that since I was 19. Wow. Well, for five years... And you see the people who do yoga every single day, they're not doing yoga anymore. No, that's that was me. I used to do three hours of yoga six days a week. It's too much. It is. It's and way, once I less is more. Half an hour of Tai Chi once a week is where you should start. And if you need more, do more. Yeah. But don't start with any more than that. If you have so to go to an hour class, okay. You won't be doing Tai Chi the whole hour. That's fine. There'll be some instruction and some talk and things like that. There might be push yeah. hands for other subsidiary exercises. Yeah. So can I continue like an hour of yoga a week, or should I just give it up? Because I've really tapered off Long as you do not do yoga before the afternoon. In other words, no yoga ever in the morning. Okay. And this is part of the reason why you're having these problems, you understand, is is your excessive yoga stuff, right? Yeah, I, I do realize that. But it didn't start then because I stopped yoga. Like, I really tapered off of it two years ago. This started, like, more like last year intermittently. And now, since for the last three, four months, it's kind of been a nagging sort of a, a, a pain. I, so the doctor says the it's... The pain didn't start until last year, but I think you understand that it was years of abusing your knees with too much yoga that set you up for it. Yeah, it, it could be. That's what I'm it saying. Could, 
That's what I'm yeah. saying. That there's years and years and years there because the doctor is saying, gosh, you're so young. Yeah. So. And so it takes years of pushing ourselves past our limits to really push ourselves into that kind of situation. So Susan's three rules of yoga are no more than once a week. Mm-hmm. Not ever in the morning and not ever at any temperature over room temperature. Yeah, that I never did. I never did hot yoga. Good. So and to hear never, that. That yeah, really never hot joints. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and it was just actually two years of intense. Before that, it was just once or twice a week. So I, I do have to okay, yeah, two years intense, good. like, yeah. All but, right. Uh, and that was, okay. And so can I do walking because it does hurt? Because he said it's um, pes anisobursitis. That's what his diagnosis is because it's below the knee. Uh-huh. Actually. Saying it's bursitis. That's uh-huh. what the doctor um, So, I mean, I'm sure it's the same thing, right? Like the the comfrey and the and the linden, right? Because bursitis means inflammation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I know. Anytime you have an itis, you have inflammation. The bursa is the tissue around a joint. Mm-hmm. That's right. You can have bursitis. You can have inflammation in the bursa around any joint. It's most common in the shoulders and the knees. Bursitis. Mm-hmm. But, so, but the far, so far as I know, there is no reason to limit your physical movement. Did the doctor say you shouldn't walk? No, he didn't, but I trust you over the doctor. So can I do like 45 minutes to an hour, like three, four times a week of walking? Because I love what you say to get your steps in and everything. That's what I've been doing for the last two years, actually. That's a great idea. I do not think that that will cause a difficulty for you. But again, I'm not in your body. You are. Yeah, no, it's just because it hurts, Susan. That's why. That's why when I walk. But but I, I get it. I'll do the conference and the Linden and... I'll yeah, follow and, everything. and I, I'm not right there, so I can't really totally tell you. But there are pains that say, stop what you're doing right now because you're injuring your body. And there are pains that we just move through. Yeah, and I think this is one of those where it says, you know, just you have to take care of it. And that's what I, I yes. could pick up on. My Qigong teacher said the joints are not nourished in any way at all unless they're moved. Oh, yeah. I've I've heard of that, yes. This is one of the reasons why Tai Chi and Qi Kung are so helpful for joint problems because walking is a repetitive motion. Mm -hmm. That's right. So it repeatedly does the same thing to the joint over and over again, whereas Tai Chi and Qi Kung move the joints without being that kind of repetitive motion. Yeah, and they're also the spiral motion, right, which you always talk about, because life is a spiral. So. Yes. Yes, which I love. That, that, um, that theory I love. So on that note. All right. Thank you so much for your call thank and you. sharing all of this thank with us. I really appreciate you. You Green. are the goddess. Green blessings. Good thank night. you. Good night. Good question. Because um, two of the people that I do yoga with, they're a, a couple, I mean, they're not together, but they're 
uh, older people, and they just both got stem cell replacements in their knees. And I was just curious. Um, I I don't know much about stem cell, and I was curious what your thoughts on stem cell um, therapy is. The DNA that is the basis for every cell and organ in our body. In the bone marrow is in a form called stem cells. And what that means is that that DNA has not been told what it is supposed to do yet. Mm-hmm. They're called pluripotent cells. In other words, the cells, the stem cells, can do anything or nothing. When they are released, because the body needs them, they are given a certain message. You are going to go be a liver cell, go to the liver now, and so on. I'm simplifying, of course. So why would somebody want to be given an injection of stem cells? To rebuild the the tissue in the knee, like the joints and ligaments and stuff. Well, maybe it will and maybe it won't because those cells haven't been given any direction. Right, right. Yeah, somehow it just it, it seems a little sketchy, um, but you know, I think we, that they're as we risking. age, we produce less collagen. So some people drink collagen or take collagen or put collagen on the skin, none of which have been shown to actually increase the amount of collagen in your body. Mhm. The body is pretty self-protective. So I I certainly am no expert of any kind on stem cells. And I know that there Mm -hmm. are a lot of stem cell therapies out there. This one sounds um, like it is experimental. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, even last night in the in the class that I was in, she, she was kind of like, you know, we'll see what happens. It's not. <laughs> she was uh, surprised that it was affecting it as much as it had been, and um, that it was, you know, like the effects were like just even like sitting cross leg. But then she was like able to do it. Like at first she wasn't, and so I mean, yeah. It's just interesting. It'll be interesting to watch her go through it and uh, the other person as well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, and we will move on. We just have two more callers with their hands raised this time. So the next caller is coming from the seven one eight area code. Hi, Susan. Hello. Hello. Um, my name's Chloe. I'm calling from Brooklyn. Um, I I love your green book, um, and I was reading through it the other night, and I was looking at some of the um, components in nourishing herbal infusion of metal, and I I either remember hearing you say something or seeing it written in the book. I couldn't find the information. When you got you know that there's 2,900 milligrams of calcium in metal. Did you send the metal to a lab to have that figured out, or how did you how did you do that math? What's the story behind that? Okay, let's take a big step back. When we look at a nutrition label, and it says this carrot contains this much whatever, um, that carrot was not tested. Okay. 
Because if that carrot was tested, it wouldn't be there. Right? Right. Because to test it, it right. has to be burned to an ash. Of course. So what you're actually reading is an average. We have tested a few hundred carrots, and the average amount of this component in the carrot is this, and the average amount of this component is this. Okay. Right. And you could get a carrot that has a lot less or a carrot that has a lot more, right? Yes depending on the growing conditions and the harvesting conditions and the cooking conditions. Of course. Right? So um, over and over again, we see that especially things like carrots, which contain carotenes, that those carotenes in raw carrots are unusable by the human body. And so it doesn't really matter how much mm-hmm. beans are in the carrot. If it's uncooked, you're not going to get them. Right. Right. So, yes. There's a book by Mark Pedersen called Nutritional Herbology. I have a copy of the first edition. And he was paid by an herb company that sells herbal products to actually have herbs analyzed so that we could get this information about what's in them. And he did that and somehow published it without their really realizing what he had done because it wasn't at all what they wanted him to do. What they wanted him to do was to give them the information, and then they would add it together and be able to use it to say how much nutrition was in each of their products, which was a blend of different herbs. And they never intended for him just to publish the information so that people could use it. And so that first edition is no longer available. And it was replaced by a second edition that (laughs) does not have any of this information. (laughs) So I do have the first edition that does have this information, so I do have some laboratory. Even though I did not send the plants to the laboratory. But let's take this one step further along the line, and I will tell you a funny anecdote. I was teaching at a lovely herbal conference, and they're very, very nice to um, the people at the conference, and they do a teacher's dinner. And very uncharacteristic. I was to the teacher's dinner a little bit early, and Mm -hmm. I went, you know, there were place cards, so we would know where to go. And I went to mine, And um, the place card next to me was a place card from a man who, uh, it said in the place card, runs a a, a vitamin company, supplement company. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a terrible meal. So I picked up his place card to find another nice place to put it because I really didn't (laughs) sit next to me, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was caught out. He walked into the room while I was moving his place card. And he asked me what I was doing, and I had to admit that I was moving his place card because I didn't think he wanted to sit next to me. <laughs> he said, I specifically want to sit next to you. And I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh. And <laughs> so I said, well, you know, uh, you're not going to convince me. He said, I don't have to convince you of anything. 
so we sat down together. It was okay. He was kind of a jolly person. I enjoyed him. And uh, he started telling me about why supplements don't work. And I was really kind of like agog because I thought, well, wait a second. I said, don't you sell supplements? He says, well, not really. He says, because supplements don't work. And he told me all the reasons that I already knew that supplements didn't work. And I said, well, then what do you actually sell? He says, well, my supplements are sold only to MDs, and they are for people who actually, for one reason or another, aren't eating or can't get this this nutritive substance in any way except this. But if, for instance, somebody needs vitamin E, then what I do is I take an oil that has a lot of vitamin E in it naturally, and I put that in mm-hmm. capsule to get a dose of vitamin E, you would need to take 12 to 15 capsules. Sure. And I said, holy smoke. He said, but you, you see, what we've been talking about is that supplements don't actually work because they, they are not whole. Yeah. And vitamin E contains a bunch of different compounds, right, tocotrienols and tocopherols. And supplements contain only one. And he said, what happens if you take a supplement of vitamin E is that that one part of the vitamin E, the D alpha tocopherol, will absorb one free radical and then that's it. It can't do any more. Mm-hmm. He says, but real vitamin D Vitamin E, which has all six components, can absorb, each part of it can absorb hundreds of free radicals. Mm-hmm. He says, so you can't say that my supplement, which contains 200 milligrams of vitamin E, is less effective than this supplement that contains 1,000 milligrams, because my 200 milligrams is doing 100 times the work of the 1,000 right. milligrams. And that's what nourishing herbal infusions are about. Bingo. Because so I just graduated as a midwife and I'm starting a home birth practice and I really want to not well, I'm not going to recommend prenatal vitamins to everybody. I'm gonna recommend herbal uh infusions. But I was really curious at the at the amounts that you had in there because and and I was wondering how that translated to prenatal care. But I think I'm just uh, over mathematicalizing it. <laughs> One thing to you know are. kind of exact amounts. Yeah. The numbers are kind of meaningless, right? They are. Yes. And yes. furthermore, it really it, it when it comes down to it, it comes down to gut bacteria. Right. Because you can give the same prenatal vitamin to six women and they will absorb different things from it. Yeah. The nourishing herbal infusions, however, feed the gut flora so that there is far greater nutrient uptake. And the nourishing herbal infusions are made from herbs that have been dried, that have been steeped in boiling water for at least four hours, which means we now have mineral extraction. Mm -hmm. And so they are literally pre-digested. Your digestive system does not need to do anything. Yeah. And we can't say that about a supplement, can we? No, not at all. 
I haven't used or recommended any supplements in years. Um, that's why I want to start my own practice because in any institution, they're just pushing that you are doing this and that you're going to be available to help women in this way. Thank you so much. It is so needed. Oh, thank you for that. It feels really good. Well, I'll let you get to the last caller. I know there's one more person waiting. Okay, one more caller. Okay, bye. Good night. This caller is coming from the 484 area code. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Yay, I can't believe it. Um, I got knocked off my, my call uh, five, like at least three times, so I'm so thankful I get to ask my question. And uh, what a great call tonight, as always. Um, so I am in my mid-40s, and my cycle is getting irregular. I, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that irregular, but um, I was just wondering – um, if you had any thoughts on what I can do to balance hormones. I, obviously, I know about the nourishing infusions, and I love them all. I, I have been slacking off of them a little bit because my mother-in-law passed if away. If your infusions were balanced, you would die. I'm sorry? Anyone whose hormones are balanced will die. Okay. You cannot have balanced hormones. You are not designed to have balanced hormones. Okay. It's rather like asking me how to make your heart stop beating. Gotcha. The hormones are supposed to be in constant flux. For instance, if we look at the production of estrogen, it goes up and down generally in an hourly or 90-minute pattern. So it's up, and then it's down, then it's up, then it's down, then it's up, then it's down, right? Yeah. What would you call balanced, down or up? Yeah, I guess that's not really what I meant. More Right, you know, and in far- parts of your cycle there will be progesterone, and other parts of your cycle there right. will be no progesterone. In certain parts of your cycle there's luteinizing hormone, at other parts of your cycle there's no luteinizing hormone. Balanced? Right. Can't be. Cannot be. What you are, what I think you're asking me is, what can I do to prevent menopause? Uh, no, I already know that I don't want to prevent that. But all right, um, so I'm not sure why you even want to mess with your hormones. Um, well, because I still dream of having another baby. Um, that's, I guess, Vitex. the biggest. Vitex Agnes Castus turns back the clock and allows you to have that one last child. But don't wait. Take the Vitex, four dropper fulls, two or three times a day, and get going on that it's last bit. Throughout the whole month or just the second half? For as many months as it takes every day. Okay. I'm writing this down. And then I was going to ask you about red clover infusion. Sometimes I felt like when I take it, um, and I mean, this is just like something that came to me when I was, was taking it more often than I do now. Maybe I would. Let me ask you this. Do you take yes. spinach? Um. You know, I don't eat enough, but I I, I some. So. Yes. 
You drink infusions. You do not take them. Okay. They're not drugs. They're food. You drink them. You eat them. You consume them. You do not take them. Yeah, I know. I love that. Yeah, I love that. It's true. Um, But, you know, I I, I wonder... You are getting a sense when you drink red clover that... That I feel like I make more estrogen than I need because I think traditionally, like in the past when I've had... You feel that when you eat peanuts too, right? And you feel that when you eat carrots? Because peanuts and carrots have as many hormonal precursors as red clover. Wow. So it's not that then. Okay, that's great to know. And is there is there a number of Clover does not contain any estrogen. Like all members yeah. of the bean family, like all seeds and like all roots, it contains phytosterols. Do you have my book on menopause? I do. There's a big one chapter. I love it. I'm sorry, go ahead. About phytosterols. It's near the front of the book. You might want to go back and review the information about phytosterols so that you begin to have some sense that red clover does not contain any estrogen at all. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think that so much. It's just, you know, it's just whatever. But, um, you know, I was just wondering if it somehow made my whatever imbalances worse that I have had going on. And I mean, there's been a lot balance of Balance and there is no imbalance. You do not have any imbalance. Okay. Um, so is there, the last thing I want to ask you is, is there like, I mean, I know you, to rotate the, the five infusions uh, when I drink them, um, but is there like a time, I mean, it doesn't matter because I just naturally go through, you know, although I will say like lately because of all the stress, I've been drinking more nettle um, versus the others, but I just, I, I mean, it's almost like I crave them. Sounds um, but I'm me. thankful because it Sounds very good to me. Okay. I don't think there's a problem at all. Okay. All right. All right. So I'll I'll just keep doing that. Well, good. thank you so much. Appreciate it. You are welcome. Green blessings. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is our pleasure to welcome Catherine Ravenwood. Catherine Ravenwood has studied the mysteries for fifty years having always been a seeker of spiritual truths and being filled with the desire to find a deeper knowing and understanding of life. Her long love and study of the esoteric realms led her to the Tarot. Catherine, or Raven, as she is called, offers personal consultation for spiritual growth and everyday assistance with her expert knowledge of the Tarot. Her tarot readings are done with the guidance of the Great Council of Tarot for personal alchemical transformation. She also offers sessions in spiritual hypnosis through the WellPoint Hypnosis Method in conjunction with customized sound sync tech, sound frequencies that promote a relaxed brainwave state to best explore past life regression, the afterlife, and the soul consciousness realm. Catherine Ravenwood is the author of How to Create Sacred Water, a Guide to Rituals and Practices, 2012. She is also a contributing writer to Invoking the Scribes of Ancient Egypt, the Initiatory Path of Spiritual Journaling, 2011. And Stepping into Ourselves, 
an anthology of writings on priestesses. Goddess Inc., one of my favorite publishers, 2014. Catherine's writing is published in Sage Woman Magazine and other publications, and she maintains a blog with her writings on tarot at Catherine Ravenwood Tarot Wisdom and a blog uh, with writings about spiritual hypnosis experiences at Ravensoul, and she will tell us more about connecting with her there. Catherine studied in the Egyptian mystery school tradition with one of my heartfelt buddies, love you, Nikki Scully. Oh, the places we have been, Nikki and I. Wow, 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 wow. Love you, Nikki. Mwah. Been too long since we have embraced. And Normandy Ellis, who I do not know, and is an initiated member of the lineage of Thoth. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Oh, thank you, Susan. It's so nice to talk to you. And to you, too, Catherine. I yes. am so excited about all of the things that you are doing. And um, you are especially, um, I think, talking these days about how to create sacred water. Is that true? Well, that's been my heart. Um, this is something that... The, the Sacred Water Book is about creating sacred water altars and doing blessings for the waters of Gaia. And I started with that back in the mid-90s on instructions from spirit. It was just like I was told to do this, and I learned to follow the clues and ended up creating these water altars. So I guess it was in the late 90s, I should say. So this has been something that's been dear to my heart for a long time, and the more we go on, the more we see that our waters need our blessings and our help. And it is, in most Native cultures, women are the caretakers of the waters. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. So this is very much what what my Australian aunties would call women's business. Women's, women's business. business. That's right. That's to, right. To, yes, because... The waters need our appreciation. Yes, they do. So tell us, if you could, tell us a thing or two about creating sacred water. I know you've written a whole book, but maybe you can put it into a few minutes and and give us just a a kind of idea about how to proceed or what we might find in the book or whatever you, however you would like to introduce us to this. Okay, thanks, Susan. So. Basically, the instructions that I was given from spirit and that I followed led me to create a water altar that I keep from full moon to full moon. And I took a glass punch bowl. Do you know my friends? Do you know Starfeather in Seattle? Who? Starfeather? I don't think I do. Well, anyway. Okay, I was in Starfeather's women's circle, and she gave me the punch bowl. I said, I need this glass bowl, and... She dug it out of her garage. It was a wedding present she never used. And then I was, uh, Spirit led me to an antique store where I found a huge amethyst that just fits in the bottom of this punch bowl. And also at the same store was a crystal wand. I didn't know what it was. Turned out it was selenite. So I covered the crystal with water. And then with the wand, I would stir it like a homeopath and stir in my prayers for all all I could I would just pray and pray and pray over this water 
And then uh, I was told... They have so stir, they beat. They beat it? Oh, they okay. Pertuss it. They do not stir, they pertuss it. They slam it as hard as they can against a, le- a leather arm guard. And what is it they're slamming? As I have said, yeah, leave it to a man to figure out a way to make a medicine where you have to beat it up to make it work. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. All the research I did on homeopaths said they were stirred. In, that I was about Germany anyway, in the German ones. I didn't know that they were slammed. So they take like the plants and things and slam them? Or, to make a homeopathic remedy, in most instances, uh-huh. make a mother tincture of the plant. I see, uh-huh. Mother tincture of the plant is then diluted. One part of tincture, yes. ten parts of whatever they're diluting it in, whether it is liquid or what they often use is lactose because no one is allergic to lactose. So it's homeopaths love lactose because it's a non-allergen. I know many people uh-huh. are... To discover that lactose is non-allergenic, um, and then they pertuss it for a certain amount of time, and that's a oh, one X dilution. Then that one X is diluted again by a factor of ten. It is pertussed again. That's a two X. By the time you get to thirty X, there is not a single atom of the original plant left. Right, it's just the vibration of it, right? Or the memory of it. So what spirit? What I, you know what? If if I wanted to experience your vibration, I don't uh-huh. think what I would do is dilute you over and over again and beat you up in between <laughs> so that I could experience your vibration, Catherine. I just don't think that's the way I would go about it. Well, so I, I'll, I am not against homeopathy, but I do not think that there is a vibration of the plant left in it. No, I don't. Okay. This is well, mind medicine, uh, and it's all about what we think. It has nothing to do with anything physical or real. Well, so basically the water altars, that how Spirit was kind of explaining this to me was with the big crystal sitting in the water all month and stirring your prayers into it, that the... Let's just say I, I don't. I'm not as technical and as learned as you, but the essence of the crystal, the memory of the crystal energy stays in the water. And then I would take that out on the full moon and offer blessings to the water in various places. And it was pretty magical experiences that came to me. And so that's the basic of the water altar. However. I think the most important thing is whether you have a water altar with an amethyst in it or you have a picture of water or whatever it is, the important thing is that we make a connection with the water and we give thanks and give back to this this life-giving force that we all need, this essence. And that is what I think the essence of a water altar is really about, is us getting into relationship with our water. Mm. I love it. That is so, oh, so true to my heart. That's yeah. about being in relationship with the water. What, what do we do that's about relationship? Well, we talk to the water. Be a we big bowl or a no bowl. It can the be the bowl of our belly. One of the things that I did, I 
had a property that was a swamp. Uh-huh. And that's putting it nicely. Basically, what it was was about three inches of water with about a million mosquitoes. Ooh, yeah. So I saved my money and hired a man to dig a pond. Uh-huh. So that I had a pond instead of three inches of water. Much right. more attractive to us and to everything else. But while the man was digging the pond, I sat across the road and cried because I felt so badly that I was disturbing the water as it was. Oh. And disturbing the life in that water. And I begged the water's forgiveness, and I asked Uh it to please find itself in a new form that I was hoping would be more advantageous for everyone. And how did the pond turn out? Well, I know that every time I walk past there, I am uplifted and expanded by it. And that I also, you know, frequently find myself drawn to walk off my beaten path and over to the edge of the pond and to say thank you. Thank you for reflecting the moon for me. Thank you for harboring my uh, son-in-law bought a hundred goldfish and put them in the pond. There must be 100,000 in there now. <laughs> Wonderful. It's so beautiful. And, of course, water, water does change form, and it needs a chance to move. Water needs to move. So if you have three inches moving across the surface that's inhabited by mosquitoes, and you can give the water a new vessel <clears> so <throat> that the water has a chance to move around a little more, then it probably brought more water in. Yeah. And it collected water to itself and became more of a center for life rather than a breeding ground for disease. I know. So, yeah, well, water I was, just, likes I was just reading last night that there are 900 species of mosquitoes. Some of them actually pollinate very rare flowers and that there's only about 40 of those species that can actually pass disease to humans. I didn't know that. So mosquitoes are getting a bit of a bad rap. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they I'm actually sure can be a very important part of the food chain, this article was telling me. Mm-hmm. That is so wonderful. Yeah. You do so many exciting things, and I want to make sure um, right here um, that you share with people how to get in touch with you because I didn't uh, read those website addresses because I was a little uncertain of them, and I wanted you to really tell people if they're interested in a tarot reading or if they're interested in the hypnosis work that you do. What's yeah. Are there different places for them to go? No, it's, my website is the best place to go, and it's, um, I apologize, my website is going to get rebuilt in uh, just a little while, but it's still functional, but my website is www.katherine, which is spelled K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, Ravenwood, raven like the bird and wood like what's in a tree, so katherineravenwood.com, and uh, the blogs are uh, listed in my website. So if you're interested in reading the articles I've written on Tarot over the past very many years, and I've recently started a new blog on the spiritual hypnosis experiences, uh, both of those blogs are accessible on my website. And you can access me, uh, you can email me through my website or at katherineravenwood at gmail.com. All right. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Susan. Yeah, well, I want 
I want to. You offer so much, and I want people to be really able to get in touch with you and to um, to connect in the way that they want to. Now, I know that one of the kind of major axes of your life has been Tarot, yes? Yes, since 1975. Right. Big, long involvement with Tarot. Uh, I'm curious, do you have a favorite deck? Do you use one deck or do you use several? I use many decks. I own about 160 decks. Some of them I don't read with. Some of them are collectors. But when I do a reading, I usually have about 20 decks out on my table because part of a good reading to me is knowing which deck to use. And so, yeah, I have some decks that read better for real estate and some read better at uh, relationships and some read better for, you know, if you're just looking at family. But um, I've often noticed that, especially when somebody is in person with me in my home, lots of times they're drawn to a particular deck. And then the images in that deck will be the ones that really work for them. Excuse me, because... The tarot cards are, there's 78 cards, and they're all like little doorways. And they're doorways into the subconscious. And these pictures, uh, every tarot card, the wisdom, like the high priestess, the two of cups, these are consistent. But they're drawn differently. I mean, the two of cups is the two of cups. But they'll be drawn differently in different decks. And it's interesting how someone's interpretation in a deck is just what that client needs to see in order to help them connect with what's going on for them. So I always have a lot of decks on the table. And that's one of my favorite parts. And sometimes I'll be in the middle of a reading and I'll go, you know what, we need to use another deck. Excuse me a minute. And I get up and open my cabinet and find the deck that I'm being told to use. And sure enough, it's the one that works. So to me, that's one of the real exciting parts about doing a reading is getting the right deck to start with. So um, I have a variety of favorite decks that I love, but I don't use any one. I, I just, I don't know. I learned how to read with multiple decks. I don't read with one deck very well. It just <laughs> never gives quite enough information. <laughs> I always want more. Give me more. Show me more. Oh, my goodness. I've met somebody who has more tarot decks than I do. How wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how many do you have? I don't, I, I don't count. They're, I just have a huge basket, and I just keep adding to it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but partly because people cabinet. send me decks, not because I'm going out and, and trying to actually buy them. What? Well, what? I bought some and I've been given a lot too. Yeah, they, they you know they do circulate quite a bit. So when yes, they do. Right, Rebecca said that at your um, tarot site that you draw a card for the day and then make some comment on that. What's today's card? Um, well, I actually haven't drawn one today. Let's do that. All right. I have some decks out here. Let's just do that. That would be, like, totally fun. So, okay, I'm going to take this deck right here, which happens to be the Star Tarot, and we're going to spread them out, and we're going to pick this one right here. And it is, ah, the world. Ah. The world. <laughs> so this is card 21 of the Major Arcana, and this is the completion of the Great Tarot Cycle. So in the Tarot, we have two cycles. One ends with the Wheel of Fortune, and the second one ends with the World. But in the World card, everything comes to the journey of the fool, as we refer to the, the uh, archetype process through the Tarot, 
is completed in the world card. And this is where everything comes together. It's also our world. I mean, a lot of times this card is depicted as Gaia. And so here we have our world. And in this card, um, we have butterflies flying around. We have turtles swimming around. The world is basically a giant tree. Uh, There's a goddess in the middle cradling the earth in her arms. There's a blooming, beautiful flower at the top of the tree. It's a very, with birds flying, it's a very beautiful card. So when I pull the world card, what does that mean to you? Right, right offhand today, Susan, what does that say to you? It says to me that the world is doing just fine and that there are millions and millions of people who are actively involved with helping the world do just fine, but that even if there weren't, the earth itself would be just fine. I agree with you. I think our earth knows what she's doing. Yeah, so that was fun. So, I, yeah, I, so, take, I take great reassurance from that card. That's good. And this is a lovely card. So uh, the world is a, is a wonderful card of, um, it's like the grand alchemy has been completed, you know. All and then right. we get to start over. Yeah. Then after the world card, we would go back to the pool and, and start the next leg of the journey. Although Tarot is not linear, but when you look at the cards numbered zero up through the world 21, zero is both the ending and the beginning, and that's the fool. So the fool's journey is constant. We are always in motion, like water, we're always in motion, and sometimes we get stuck in those little backwaters, and sometimes the water runs underground, and sometimes it spurts out in geysers, but this is a journey that we're all on. And so tonight, our card is the world. That's beautiful. That is so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. What does What is personal alchemy? Personal alchemy. So... Um, a lot of people think alchemy is the old process of the alchemist turning lead into gold, which was really not what they were doing. Yes, they learned to do that, but as and I know you said you love Nikki, and so do I. Nikki used to teach us that they were the puffers, the people who were bragging about turning lead into gold. They weren't the real alchemists. The real alchemists, they were studying alchemy, and they were studying how to transform one substance into another, and in in personal spiritual alchemy, that's what we're doing. We're taking the, the dregs of, of our experiences, processing them. They go through many of the stages of alchemy, including putrefaction and calcification, and they have to go through fire and dissolution. All of this, I think, seven different stages that the alchemist follows. And this is what we do. We process our experiences. We process our life. And then at some point, with the heat of alchemy, we've, we've become something else. We've transformed into a new version of ourselves. It's kind of like um, in the tarot card, the, the temperance card, which is often called the alchemy card. It's like when you make bread. You take, you take all these different ingredients and you start putting them together. Well, when you combine flour and sugar, you can't separate them anymore. You put in the yeast and that's activated. It, it starts doing its own thing. But it's not really bread till it comes out of the oven. 
you need that heat to really finish the transformation. So as we look back, we can all see that we were not the same people we were 10 years ago. And that's part of the alchemy. And when we can consciously activate processes that help us to create a better version of ourselves, to understand our experiences, we're all here to experience and to learn and to grow. And so as we do that and we become more knowledgeable, more um, more in tune with ourselves, more confident of ourselves, more able to bring forth our individual gifts and share those with other people and with our world, we mustn't forget our world card, then we're all going through a process of alchemy all the time. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's what I try to do with tarot reading, is I try to show people the energy that the cards show are around them at the current time. Yes, some of those cards could be scary. Some of them could look like easy squeezy, but how are they lined up? This is the energy that's around you or me or whoever's getting the reading saying, hey, this is the energy that's here for you to work with. Now, you could work with it in a positive way or you could work with it, ignore it and do nothing, but the energy is still there. So how do you want this to best work in your life? And that to me is what having a tarot reading is really about is seeing what energies are around you, how you can use those energies to help you. And most people who want a reading want to do something. They're not going to just ignore it. But not everybody pays attention, and they blow it off. So that's fine. Then they can learn another time. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It is true. It is true. Yeah. uh, we've just come get, come through some intense weeks of uh, editing the book, you know, and it's like every time we look at it, we find new errors. There's always something that's wrong. <laughs> Isn't that the way it goes? Hey, and finally, yesterday, uh, that's it. We're not changing oh. any more typos. The book is going to press the way it is. Second edition will have no typos, but the first edition, <laughs> the first edition, there'll be a few typos. You in the um, yeah. uh, index is stringent, and there's no I in it. Oh. Well, then we'll just all uh, take it with a little grain of salt. Uh, you know, I think you'll okay. understand the word astringent without the I in it. It's just, it was just like I said, I no, we've got to go to press. This is it. Enough, enough, enough. That's, That's it. Right. We're off. At some, at some point, so you do, you do hypnotic work, work with hypnosis, yes? Yes. And not so, Ericksonian yes, hypnosis, which is the one that's most commonly used. Not which kind? Ericksonian. Oh, no, no. Uh, this is, so you do um, the well-point method, which is different than Ericksonian. Yeah, and it is a, it's not medical, it's not therapy, it's not like a, uh, it's, not, it's not clinical. It's very spiritually based. And, yes, we do past life regression. Uh, this is Ted and Christina Winslow. Christina Winslow has done this work for many, many years. Her husband is a brilliant sound engineer and has created these, these beautiful brain frequencies that we use in our hypnosis sessions to help the brain go into a deep relaxation. But the idea is, yes, we explore past life, perhaps it's future life or parallel life. Um, And then uh, we go into the spirit realm and see what's there or who's there 
we might then we usually do at least one more past life regression or another session, and then we call forth the higher self. And the higher self will come forward and speak through the hypnosis state, and it's through the higher self that we can uh, ask. I don't do it. The higher self does it, but I can ask, are there blocks? Are there ancestral contracts that need to be released? Um, sometimes there's entities that are ready to be released and move on into the light. Um, some beautiful experiences with entities that realize they can be free and they can move on and have a life, continue the life of their own. Breaking contracts, finding blocks. Uh, higher self is usually pretty funny, too. I found that there's quite a sense of humor with people's higher self, certainly mine. I was in a session one time and the person doing the work said, so does Catherine have any blocks that are keeping her from, you know, moving forward? Oh, yes, she does. Um, would, are you able to release those for her today? Yes. Well, will you do that? No. Well, why not? Because she has to do it herself. But then higher self said, but we'll help her. And my higher self showed me they were like, putting a golden light filament through me and going through these dark clawed places and just kind of opening it up a little bit. And it was amazing how I would just stop during my day and go, oh my gosh, I feel those little filaments. Oh my gosh, I'm feeling so much better. I can let go of that. So there's been some massive breakthroughs and I will even say healings for clients and certainly for me. So I love this work. It's, um, I've trained up to level three, and the next thing for me to do would be to go through teacher training, but we can do remote sessions or in-person sessions, so um, it's wonderful, and I'm retiring from my J-O-B at the end of the year, and I will have next year, I'm going to have much more time for my clients, so I'm very excited about that. Yay! Yay, indeed. Yay, indeed. And I know we don't have much time, so I want to... I was going to say, Catherine, we are almost out of time, so tell people how to get in touch with you one more time now. Okay. Okay, my website is Catherine Ravenwood, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, ravenwood.com. And I just want to tell you, the last time I saw you, I told you this, but for your readers, Susan Weed's book on menopause saved my life. And I don't know how many copies of that book I bought and gave away to all the women I knew who were going through menopause. And I said, in this book, if you have a symptom of you're feeling crazy and want to stand on your head in the phone booth and sing Yankee Doodle Dandy, I swear to God, will be in this book. (laughs) (laughs) You covered everything. You covered everything. And I was so grateful. And there are a lot of women I know who had that book, and they were so grateful. They'd say, Raven. I gave away your purple book. I'm sorry. And I go, it's okay. Let's both buy another one and give it away. <laughs> so thank you for your book, Susan. Thank and you. And I'm sure your new book is going to be just as wonderful for people. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. You are welcome. And since we have gotten to just about the last minute here, I would like uh-huh. to ask you, what do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of all the listeners tonight? Oh, my goodness. You can become whatever it is that you want to become. You can overcome your fear. You can overcome obstacles. Take the first step. Don't try to outdrive your headlights. Believe in yourself. Love yourself. Wow. 
Thank you, Catherine Ravenwood, Thank for you, Susan, sharing too. with us tonight. I feel like we could talk for hours and hours, and I hope oh, I'm sure we could. time soon so we can just sit and chill out okay. a little bit and play with tarot cards and just have a really good time, as I have had with you all evening tonight. Thank you so much for helping thank us you, to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. And thank you, Rebecca, for helping me in my goal of restoring herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Green blessings, everybody, and good night. Good night. Good night. Have a great night, everyone. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. No show next week. Two weeks from now. Good night. Green blessings. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.